This is the final episode of the Portage Health Foundation Addiction Series. I'm Sarah Blakely, TV6 Morning News co-anchor and your host for this series. As we finish up, we'll hear from PHF Board Chair Bernadette Yeoman Olette on her vision for the Foundation's role in tackling the addiction crisis. We'll also hear from Mark Maggio from the Phoenix House and Rebecca Crane from Dial Help on projects they've completed to do their part. And finally, we'll hear from Kevin Storr on how the resources within our community are making an impact, but how the best thing we can do as a community is tie it all together for a brighter future. The Portage Health Foundation, um, in its short history, um, has demonstrated that it brings agencies together. And I think that's incredibly important to attack this, this issue in our community. We have funded specific programs to help with addiction um, in the community so far, but there's much more that we need to be doing. In 2015, we approached the foundation because one of the concerns that we had was um, the reduced length of stay that people were allowed to come into treatment and receive funding for. And what we wanted was an ability to treat them in more of intensive residential nature and then create a what we considered a transitional residential program that allowed people to step down, um, still be in a safe structured, structured environment, while at that time starting to look for work, develop their recovery network um, to assist them in transitioning out of the residential process. So the Portage Health Foundation helped us set up a transitional residential program, which is still going today. I think the awareness and education that we talked about, I think early intervention is really critical. And that's why I'm excited about a lot of the youth-focused things that Portage Health has been doing and we're trying to do. I think also just more service providers in general, if I had, that's probably the biggest thing, especially for youth. And I would say for women, we don't have transitional housing, for example, when people get out of treatment, they have to rebuild their life and there's not sort of that in-between step of safety and rebuilding. So some of those, I think just addressing some of those critical gaps that we have in service provision would be huge. So in 2016, because our residential services are geared towards men, um, we also recognize that um, the need for some specialized or skilled women's services are also necessary. Um, at that time, and, and we're, I guess, still in that process, the best we could do for women was through our outpatient services. So we looked at it in an enhanced women's outpatient program, um, which provided services directly to women. And it also got us on track um, to work towards developing a women's specialty program, which we did do. Um, and it's just a program that's geared specifically to women, addressing women issues, um, women with children, provides for an opportunity for children to be able to come to the um, program with uh, child care or resources to assist with that, some transportation needs um, specific to women. So, In the future, I see the Portage Health Foundation's role is being a convener as we go forward, as we have done in the past. I can see the Portage Health Foundation getting involved in the education aspects of our community. How do we educate people about this problem? How do we educate our agencies on the best methods to address this ever-growing public health issue? I think it's important that our community recognizes that 
we have a lot of tools in the toolbox that we need to address this issue. We have really committed, passionate people working in our nonprofit community. I've had people say, well, the government cut funding for this or the government's not doing that. Let's, let's recognize that that's part of our reality and let's look at what can we do as a community? What can we do to collectively come together and what resources can we bring together? And it may sound a bit ideological and I, I've been accused of that before too, but if we really start looking at this as a community, as a first step and start having that conversation and start recognizing what we're all bringing to the table, I think people would really start recognizing that we have an awful lot of resources here available and ready. We need to decide to bring them together and, and to work together. We want to thank all those who came forward to help make this series a reality, including videographer Mark Riuta from Define Visuals, Chelsea Goodrow and Michael H. Babcock for helping behind the scenes in production, and all the staff and volunteers at the nonprofits and agencies who try to solve our community's addiction problem. We also want to thank all of you for going on this journey with us. We look forward to a brighter future where addiction causes less damage and more lives are saved. If you or someone you know is struggling with addiction, know that there are resources available in our community. Dial Help is a great place to start. They have a crisis line 24 hours a day, seven days a week, based right here in the Copper Country. Just dial 906-482-HELP, text 906-35-NEEDS, or chat live with someone at dialhelp.org. If you're in any kind of medical emergency, dial 911 immediately. To learn more about the resources available in our community or to subscribe for email alerts for future episodes, just visit phfgive.org addiction.